I'm sure you've heard about this Jesus, right? As soon as I heard about what he could do, I knew that he was someone that I needed to go see. Well, I mean, not see, right? Anyway, I guess you know he was in town yesterday. People were talking about this sick lady that was healed, and they said that he brought a little girl back to life. I don't know if that was true, but I didn't care. I knew where she lived. So I heard this great commotion going on from inside her house, and I waited outside. And when he came out, I was just like, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, over here, mercy. <laughs> Did he answer you? Ta-da. You can see where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yeah, he did. He comes over and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he asks me, do you really believe I can do this? He touched my eyes and said, because you believe, it will happen. And then I opened my eyes. It's like, I can see. <laughs> Jesus asked over a hundred questions in Scripture, and uh, we are looking at four of the most important ones. Last week, Jesus was in the middle of a storm, and he said to his disciples, well, he said to the storm first, quiet, be still, and everything was perfectly still. And then he looked at his disciples and he said, why are you so afraid? And we talked about when we're in the midst of storms, that's what God is asking us. Why are you so afraid? Next week is for those of you who are battling an ongoing problem, maybe an addiction that won't go away, a physical challenge, something that lasts. Jesus asked a guy who had um, a problem for 38 years, do you want to be well? That's next week. On Easter, we're going to talk to spiritual skeptics and, and even some believers that struggle with doubt. And Jesus asks the question, why do you doubt? Now today is for those of you who have something in your life that you don't know how to solve on your own. You've been praying about it. You've been asking God for a miracle, but you haven't seen a miracle. Well, Jesus asks two blind guys. He says, do you believe I'm able to do this? Now, this comes from Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your smartphones, you can go to version. You can look up and, and uh, follow along. The listening guide is there. If you have your listening guide, that's fine. Jesus, the scene was Jesus had just healed this little girl. Now, this is kind of an interesting story. I guess everything Jesus did was interesting, but this was a synagogue official. His daughter died, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my daughter's dead. If you'll come and lay hands on her, she'll, she'll be made well. So Jesus goes to the house. Now, in those days, it was customary in that culture to hire mourners. Even the, most, even the, the poorest people would hire at least two flute players to come and mourn. And so the Bible says Jesus comes in, and he chases out all the mourners. Now, look, time out. If I die, don't you dare hire flute players. All right, I'll ask Jesus for something. I don't know what, you know, ground open up, swallow you. I don't know. That's in the Old Testament. Um, hire a rock and roll band. I want the whole North, North uh, Anderson County area to be shaken. Anyway, but their culture, flute players. I don't know. The flute players, well, I, I, nothing against flute players. N really, seriously, nothing, nothing. But... Why they hired him for funerals? I don't know. Anyway, Jesus said, get out. He said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And everybody laughed at him because they knew she was dead. And then he comes walking out with 
the little girl. And I don't know about you, but if I if I'm at a funeral and and Jesus walks in a room and comes out and suddenly the person's alive, I'm going whoa, right? Word about that dude gets around. Because when somebody can raise the dead, that's a big deal. And so we heard about him calming storms. We hear about him raising the dead. We hear about him healing um, all kinds of people. Word gets around when somebody like that is in town. So these blind guys, they're blind. They're not deaf. They've heard what's been going on. They know Jesus is near. Here in Matthew 9, 27, here's what they said. After Jesus left the little girl's home where he'd raised her from the dead, two blind men followed along behind him shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the fact that they called him son of David is a big deal because they believed he was the Messiah and that would so tick off the religious leaders. But here's the thing. When the religious leaders can't raise your little girl from the dead, you don't care what they think. You go to somebody higher than them. When the religious leaders can't heal you from blindness, you don't really care what the religious leaders think. You go to someone higher than them. You go to Jesus. You don't care what people think when there are serious consequences going on in your life. Uh, so now I got to tell you though, this, this English word, our translation of the word shouting, it really doesn't do it justice. The Greek word that it comes from has a stronger meaning. And the Greek word is crazo and it means to cry with an animal, animalistic cry. All right. Now here, it's the same Greek word used in revelation to talk about a woman crying out in childbirth. All right. You getting the idea now, Janie is not a, she doesn't scream during childbirth. But when Caleb was born, we're going through the whole process, you know, and I'm trying to help her breathe and I'm totally useless. I'm looking at the little thing and I'm going, here comes a contraction. She goes, oh, I know, you know, and she's like, I'm feeling it before you ever see it. And, and uh, the, the nurse had told us our doctor was, wasn't even on the premises. He was at his office. He was doing things. He thought she had a, um, oh, thanks, man. Oh, we got some there. George has helped me out because I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a white preacher today. I'm like a, I'm like the the brothers that sweat and have, have you seen some of them? I need a towel. I got one. <laughs> Pastor TG Jakes, he goes around with his, his towel. <laughs> Pastor DA Washburn. All right, we'll get over that. Somebody turn the air conditioner on. I'm dying. Nobody in here knows how to do that, do you? Oh, well, we'll, we'll deal with it. Okay. So, um, it means animalistic cry. All right, child and cry, a woman in childbirth. Okay, so here's Janie. The, the nurse said, since the doctor's not here, he thought she had an epidural. The epidural had fallen out. They couldn't get it back in. And so she's feeling everything, right? And, and Janie's not the one that screams, but veins pop out of her head, right? And, and you know, she squeezes my hand and, and I'm going, oh man, I don't know what's happening here. Well, they said, the nurse said, be sure and let me know when she needs to push. And I, as God is my witness, I'm holding her hand. Oh, honey, it's okay. You can breathe and breathe. And she's laying there and veins popping out. And she goes, I need to push. <laughs> and I went, oh, and so I'm pushing the button and the nurse comes on and <laughs> she goes, what? And I said, she needs to push. And so the doctor's nowhere near. And, and the nurse goes, tell her not to. And I'm like, uh, you tell her not to, cause there's a demon that just, just, I don't know. It scared me. I was scared. Now, Janie wasn't the crier, but dude, that freaked me out and gave me shivers. Well, one of my friends that I used to go hunting with years before I was ever married, and this may be why I waited so long to get married because his wife was going to have a baby and he asked me to come down. So I came down and they wouldn't let me in cause it was, they were, they were, Dude, I have never heard a cry like this. Nurses were going, 
you know, looking. And then I come out. She had almost bit. He comes out to see me and tell me they got a, She'd almost bit through his finger. He's bleeding. And I said, was that you screaming? He goes, uh-uh. She wouldn't let me. You know, and, and uh, so there's this animalistic cry. And it gives, Lord, help us. Right, guys? We hear that. We go, oh. Yeah? That's the idea of a blind guy trying to get Jesus' attention. This cry. Someone who can make a difference is here. And he says, I'm not going to stop until he pays attention. They're thinking, maybe he can do something for us. These other people can't. So here's what happens in, in verse 28. When he had gone indoors. Now, this is, the, this is a crazy thing to me. They're screaming out animalistic cry. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He goes indoors. He keeps walking. There's no indication from scripture that he even acknowledged them. Look what they do. The blind man came to him. Now, if you, if you look at several different translations, you'll see that he went into a house. The blind men followed him in the house. And he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Now, look what happens in, in verse 29 and 30. Then he touched their eyes and he said, because of your, I'm, I'm sorry, I need a little help here. Because of your what? Because of your what? We keep going until I at least see everybody's lips moving. Because of your? All right. Because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened. They could see Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anyone about this. I think he warned them because he didn't come to heal people physically. He came to heal people spiritually. And, and, and you know that anywhere he went, people just lined up wanting to be touched physically. And Jesus' big thing was, because even if he heals you physically, you're still going to die some point. He wants your soul to be ready when you, when you meet God. Now, it wasn't because of their income wasn't because of their social standing, what other people thought of them. It wasn't, it wasn't because of the fact that they went to church or didn't go to church last weekend. It wasn't because of the clothes they wore. It was because of their what? Faith. Faith. Thank you. That's kind of cool to me because what that indicates to me is if I have faith, if you have faith, we can move the heart of God. What we've got to figure out is what kind of faith moves God's heart, and we're going to find that out today. Now, <laughs> it says this in scripture in Hebrews eleven six. it says it is impossible to please God without faith. Now I watch mission impossible. How many of you like mission impossible? They should change the name because it's always possible. If you got Ethan hunt on the job, he always it's possible. That frustrates me. Is that frustrating? Anybody? Oh, this is mission possible. This isn't mission possible. You cannot please God if you don't have faith. And as you think about your life, if you're not doing anything that requires faith, if, you're, if everything you're doing is in your power, you're not pleasing God. It is impossible to please God until you show a little bit of faith. Then that moves the heart of God. Now, now let me say this. When God does something, God should get all the credit because he won't share his glory with you. You read through the whole Bible, you see one thing God will not give you is his glory. But when something doesn't happen, when God doesn't happen, sometimes we get the blame. You didn't pray right. You didn't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't pray with the right sign off. You prayed in Jesus name. You should have prayed in the name of the father, son, and the Holy ghost. You weren't shouting when you prayed. You weren't binding up the devil when you prayed. You weren't putting your finger and hopping on one foot when you prayed. Right. And, and it's, there's, there's this message that you're the problem. Now, if we're in sin, I, I understand we're in sin, but, but the Bible says all you need is a mustard seed size of faith to move the heart of God. So you don't have to. In fact, we're not supposed to pray the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Prayer over and over as if it's some magical incantation. It's not. 
When you pray, it comes from your heart to God's heart. And when you believe, God credits that to you as righteousness like he did with Abraham. See, God does honor faith. But a lot of us carry around this false guilt because people will say, you don't have enough faith. The reason they passed away is you don't have enough faith. I'm sorry, you do not find that in scripture. God is either all-powerful, all-knowing, or he's not. And if I don't have enough faith, he's not going to punish someone else because I don't have enough faith. If I don't have enough faith, it's on me. Does that make sense? And by the way, soapbox time. I wish I had one. I'd just step up on it. God always answers your prayer. Always answers your prayer. Sometimes the answer is no. And if the God you pray to always says yes to you, you're praying to the wrong God. He's a genie in a bottle. He's Santa Claus and you give your list to him. That's not the God of the scriptures. The God of the scriptures is in charge. One of my favorites is when Joshua's come across the the Jordan River, they're about to go into the promised land. And the angel of the Lord shows up and and Joshua, he's dressed as a a warrior, mighty warrior. And Joshua, dude, he had to be bold because he walks up and he goes, hey, dude, are you on our side or are you against us? And the angel of the Lord says, nope. That was a, that wasn't a yes or no question. Is, are you on our side? You're on their side. No. The angel of the Lord said, I am in charge. I've come on behalf of God and I'm in charge. The issue is, are you on God's side? Right? So God answers your prayer. Sometimes it's no. And it, because I've, I've had people in my house years ago, I had a small group in my house. Um, before we ever started this church. And I remember a young lady saying, we pray about every decision we make. She said, just last week, we were in the furniture store and we had laid down on the bed and then we got up and we held hands and we prayed, Lord, should we buy this bed? And the Lord said, yes. I said, I'm not sure that was the Lord because this same couple, few years later, went and sat in a shiny new car. They just driven it. It smells good. We held hands in the front seat. Lord, should we buy this car? Yes. I I don't think that was the Lord. Now there's other, there's others of you. It doesn't matter how many times God tells you, you know, in the word of God, doesn't matter how many times he sends people along to say the answer is no. People, and I'm not just talking about people who want to destroy your life. I'm talking about people who care about you. God sends them along and you ask their opinion and they say, I'd be afraid to do what you're about to do. And when you do it anyway, that indicates your heart is hard, not towards the person, towards God. Because, because God speaks by the Holy Spirit in four ways. Through the Bible, he never contradicts his Bible. He never contradicts the word of God. If, if you're saying that God's telling you to contradict the word, you're lying, you're wrong, and you're in sin. God speaks by the church, other believers. God gives older believers to teach younger believers. Why? Because we've been dumb a long time, and hopefully we've figured a few things out, and we can help you not be dumb as long as we were. Right? God speaks through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and this is the one that drives me crazy. I, I shouldn't even say it because too many times people say, oh, there's an open door. I'm supposed to go through it. That's not always the case. 
Many times what God wants you to do is pray until he opens a door, not just go through every open door you see. He speaks through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. And so you need to make sure, don't, do, not be, do not be blaming on God something that you decided to do in your own power because God will hold you accountable for what you say and what you do. All right, off the soapbox. Travis is always back there going, where's this? He has a transcript and he's like, we're about to go to the next slide, Travis. So what kind of faith does God honor? A couple of things that I want you to get out of this. God honors a faith that believes when it doesn't see. Believes when it doesn't see. Now, this is one of my favorite verses. In fact, the very first sermon I ever preached back in 1983 this was, this was the passage I used, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence of what we, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, think of that cannot see, and then let's apply it to these two men, these two blind men. Physically, they could not see. And, and when they'd gone indoors, the blind men who could not see, Jesus asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? And before they could ever see consequences, they couldn't see. They said, yes, we believe. Yes, we believe. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you believe that God is able to work in your circumstances? Relational challenge, physical challenge, financial challenge, spiritual challenge. Do you believe that God hears prayers, answers prayers? Do you believe that all things are possible with God? Jesus said it. I'm just quoting our founder. Jesus said all things are possible with God. Now, the churchy answer is, oh, yes, praise the Lord, I believe. Then you walk out the door and you act like you've never heard of Jesus. And your actions betray what you just said. But sometimes even our words betray it. We, oh, yes, I, I believe. I, dueling light bulbs in church. Washing the window. Woo, I worshiped. And then we say, well, I've done all I can do. All I can do now is pray. And God's in heaven going, dude, you're in trouble. If, you, if all you got is me, you, all you can do is pray. Woo, you're in bad shape now, right? Our words indicate that we have all kinds of power apart from God. Can I tell you something? You got no power apart from God. I don't care how much you lift in a gym. I don't care how physically fit you are. I don't care what you drive. There's no power apart from God because God at any moment could take your life. There was a a pastor preaching on something like this. He fell dead. That's a sermon illustration they'll never forget. God's going, really? All you can do is pray because prayer shouldn't be your last resort. Prayer should be your first resort. I want to ask you over the last seven days, what have you prayed about every day? Because I'm willing to bet if you're normal, not much. The reason I'm asking you the question is because what you pray about reflects what you believe about God. If you don't pray about much, that shows you really don't believe God has power. You don't believe he's involved in our lives on a daily basis. If you're praying for some really big things, that indicates that you believe that there's a big, powerful God out there. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. Now, <laughs> a lot of us, we pray for things that God's going to do anyway. And, and I, I do this, and, and I'll tell you why. But one of the things we pray is, God, give us traveling mercy. Help us get there safe. And, and if you just look at statistics, do most people get there safe whether they pray that prayer or not? 
Yes. Most people get there and it's going to get real quiet because when you speak the truth, it gets real quiet in here. Sometimes we pray for stuff that's already going to happen and God's going, that's all you've got. We pray, Lord, bless this food. And and that doesn't take it. Well, some of you, what you eat, that takes a lot of faith. God bless these ding-dongs and the nachos el grande to the nourishment of my body. That takes faith. I'll give you that, right? Okay. That's a big, bold prayer. (laughs) Extra cheese. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I give it to you. That takes faith. But what we pray about, the size of what we pray about indicates our view of God. It, it, It shows us how big we think God is. The size of your request reveals the strength of your faith. Jesus says, do you believe I'm able to do this? Now, I don't know what your story is, but do you really believe that God is able to heal your marriage? Do you really believe that God is able to help you overcome an addiction that has plagued you for years? Do you really believe that God can heal cancer? We got one right over there. First, first Sunday, Timmy's been back. Woo! We believe that Jesus, his name is bigger than cancer, don't we, Timmy and Tina? We do. Do you believe that all things are possible? Jesus says, do you believe I'm able to do this? And the kind of faith that honors God is one that believes even when they can't see. Second, a faith that God honors is a faith that persists when nothing changes. Persists when nothing changes. That means a faith that continues to believe. These guys guys are crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And then what does Jesus do? He keeps walking. So what do the guys do? They go after him. And, and you, you get the sense that it's like, we're following him till he heals us or kicks us out. Right? And some of you need to have that type of faith. We're going to keep going because that pleases God. In Colossians 4, 2, it says this, be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. So what you're supposed to do, we're supposed to thank God for the answer to prayer before we ever receive the answer to prayer. God's going to answer He may not answer in the way you want him to, but God's going to answer in the way that brings him the most glory and causes you to grow. We ought to thank God for that. Jesus told a great story. Oh, I love this story. um, About a widow in Luke 18, and she goes to an unrighteous judge. And, And it says that the unrighteous judge says, even though I don't fear God and I don't like people, this woman is wearing me out. You ought to read your Bible. It's good. It's good stuff. Sometimes it make you laugh. Sometimes it make you cry. You ought to read it. It's good. And so this widow keeps coming to the unrighteous judge. Jesus is telling a story, and the unrighteous judge says, she's wearing me out. So I'm going to do what she says. I'm, I'm going to give her her request. And then Jesus says, if an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't love people, will give in to a woman who's persistent, how much more would a loving God in heaven answer the persistent prayers of his children? You get it? We're supposed to not give up. We're supposed to pray without ceasing. Bill Heibel is one of my favorite pastors. In fact, in 1998, Janie and I were sitting in his church at a conference outside of Chicago when we got the dream of this church. Had no idea what this church was going to look like. Had no idea in 1998 that we were going to be in the skating rink. Uh, Have 42 acres. I mean, come on. I wouldn't have believed that if you'd have told me ahead of time. uh, I heard Bill talk about a, a baptism service. And uh, he baptized this 70-year-old mom. 
And then after the service, he goes out and he sees her 40-something-year-old daughter crying uncontrollably. Not like tears of joy, just crying sad sobs. And, and Bill walks up and he goes, oh, time out, what's going on here? He said, we just baptized your mom in there. This is a good day. And, and she was moved with emotion. Here's what she said to him. She said, you don't understand. For 22 years, I prayed for, for her and I almost stopped praying more times than you could count. At two years in, I was praying and I thought, this isn't working. This is stupid. Why am I still praying? At five years in, this little voice started saying to me, God doesn't care. God's not listening to you. God could never reach her. At 10 years, the voice was shouting at me. At 15 years, I thought, this is useless. Why bother? At 20 years, I thought, is there even a God? I'm praying for her to come to know him and there's no result. And then she said, here we are at 22 years. Mom got saved. And I almost stopped praying. I ask a lot of people, you've been praying about it? Oh, yeah. How long have you been praying? Two and a half days. Whoo. Man, that, that, that took a lot, didn't it? For you to pray for two and a half days. Or you to mention it once six years ago. Pray without ceasing. There's a list I have that I pray through every day. And, and I just added something today because God put it on my heart. But I have some of you, some of your marriages that are, that are struggling, you're on my prayer list. Some of the families that I know stuff you're going through, some of my small group families, you're on my prayer list. Every day I pause and I say, God, and, and I mention your name, and I start praying about you because I want you to reflect the risen Christ. And I want God to work in your life. And, and the scripture has not told me that I, that I can ever give up on that until we see an answer. Can you just imagine if we had a church full of people who did not stop praying until God answered? This building would not be big enough to contain the people who would come. The, the, the mistake that I've seen in the American church, one of the mistakes, is we hired a preacher to do that. That's not biblical. Biblically, my job is to train you to do the job of the church. And when men and women take that seriously, it changes their community. It's the difference in being um, a, thermo, a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermometer just tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat changes the temperature. If we had a few thermostats in here that prayed until God changed the temperature of Anderson County or within driving distance of our church, two services is not going to be enough. I don't know who is supposed to hear that story, but some of you, there's voices that are saying, give up. God's not listening. You need to give up. Do not stop until you get the answer. What kind of faith does God honor? One that believes when it can't see, that persists when nothing changes, and three, a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. A faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. It means that your faith is marked by actions. People ought to see you, actions in your life, and they may think you're crazy. And, and see, I want to I define for you this real quick. There's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is a desire. Faith is a demonstration. Faith is, not only do I hope this is going to come true, but I'm going to act as if this is going to come true. You're going to see my actions based on what I believe. 
James, who's the brother of Jesus, he tells this great story about Abraham, how his faith was marked by actions. And it's one of the most crazy stories in the Bible. Most of you have heard it. It's when God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son. I'm reading the story of Abraham in my private devotions. And I just got through the part where, where God told him to, to sacrifice his only son. He'd waited 25 years for this son. It's his only son. He said, can, can, the, slave, uh, can the slave son, can he be the heir? And God said, no, you're going to have an heir. He gets the heir and he's about 10 years old. And God says, I want you to sacrifice him. So he takes him up to a mountain and he has the sacrifice. He has everything. He ties his son up. He has the wood. He's, he's about to kill his son when God says, stop. Because if you know anything about God, you know that God would never ask you to sacrifice your own child. It was a test. And God said, you pass the test. I can bless you because you passed the test. And by the way, don't ever ask, how can God, how could God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? Because he wouldn't know what it's like to sacrifice a son because he would. And he's not going to ask you to do it because he's going to substitute his son in your place. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Here's how James describes the faith of Abraham. James 2.22. You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Now, what did he say made his faith complete? Actions. Not just what he thought, not what he prayed, not what he wore, not how many times he went to church. His faith was made complete by his actions. So I want you to think, I want you to say out loud, my faith... My actions make my faith complete. Say that. These blind guys could have been like us because what we do is we magnify our problems. I have the biggest problem in the history of problems. And then you share your problem and somebody else goes, oh, I know how you feel. And you go, oh, no, no, no. You can't possibly know because that's your problem. My problem is the biggest problem in the history of problems. Ah!" I hear it all the time. I'm going, really, do you, do, do you not know scripture? Do you not, have you not seen how God's worked in your life before? My problem's the worst. These blind guys could have said, we're blind. And because in that culture, they couldn't work. They couldn't have a job. They had to go around with a stick or somebody had to, had to lead them around. Or maybe they had to have a seeing eye dog. I don't think they had one at that time, but work with me. They had to have all this stuff. And, and they had to beg. They could not hold a job. And so they had to depend on other people who had more, who would give them crumbs from the table to help sustain them. And in that society, if you were blind, they assumed you did something wrong or your parents did something wrong and you deserved to be blind. So they lived with shame. And they could have said, oh, I'm blind. I can't do anything. I can't ever be married. I can't have children. I can't, I can't, I can't. They could have focused on the problems. That's what a lot of us do instead of focusing on God. But here's, here's what happened. I think they said, well, you know, I can't see, but I can hear. And I hear Jesus is walking by. I can't see, but I can hear. I can talk. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And I can't see, but I can hear. I can talk and I can walk and I can follow him. And that door was open. And so I'm going in there with him and I'm staying until he touches me. <laughs> I can't do a lot of things, but there are some things I can do. So what I want to say to you is there's, there's a lot of stuff you can't do, but there are some things you can do. For example, can't heal yourself from cancer, but what can you do? You can pray like crazy. You can get your friends. We had a prayer uh, service out at BB Quick. There's about 45, 50 men in that room circling Timmy, anointing him with oil and praying to the name of the Lord to, to heal him. But we didn't just do that. He went to the best doctor. And the doctor said, you need to do this. He had to go through chemo and radiation and it ravaged his body. And Tina was telling me on, on Thursday, Thursday, she was saying that, that just a couple of weeks ago, she was distraught because they tried everything. And then God just gave her an idea and she started feeding him every couple of hours. And all of a sudden I see pictures on Facebook, Timmy's fishing and he's mowing and he's messing around in the swimming pool. And I'm going, holy cow, God answers prayer. 
And some of you say, no, that doctor healed him. You ask Timmy and Tina who healed him, the doctor or God. You see, his actions made his faith complete. He could have laid there and said, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. Well, what if God gave us doctors to help heal us? I have no problems getting a shot when I'm sick. I have no problems taking medicine when I'm sick. Because I believe God gave Cassie the opportunity to heal us. Went on a cruise one time. She gave me a shot before I went on a cruise because I said, I got, I, got to be, I got to feel better. She gave me a shot. You remember that? Yeah. It's funny because I didn't really, I didn't recognize her when she came in. I didn't know her well at the time. She looked in my ear and she goes, who's preaching tomorrow? And I said, you saw that I was going to be gone in my ear. Man, you're good. And she goes, I've come with Brad this before they were married. I said, oh, sometimes I'm pretty observant. You can do some things. If you go to wrong websites, you can put a filter on your, on your devices. You can pray and ask God to deliver you. And then you can talk to somebody that you respect their faith. And you say, can I send you, can I have my monitoring software monitoring stuff? Can I have that send you an email? Because you want to talk about how you'll stop going to those websites. You have somebody that you admire their faith in Christ watching to see what you're doing. You may not be able to change your spouse, but what, you can, what can you do? You can pray. And, and even if God doesn't change your spouse, prayers always change you. And you can love your spouse like Christ loved the church. And you can pray for, for these crazy eyes for them and this crazy love for them where you will do anything and love them like Christ loved the church. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. Haiti, some of you are supposed to go to Haiti. And, and let me tell you, when I preach a sermon like this and I ask you if, if God's called you to go to Haiti, do not say I can't afford it. The issue is, did God call you to go? Because Jesus is saying to you, do you believe I'm able to do this? $1,550, what my, what my family does every year, Janie sells hot sauce or she sells cheesecakes or she does something, she does what she can every year. We're talking $4,500 that comes out of our pockets for Janie and, and Hannah and Rachel to go. And, and God provides it every year. In fact, last year, God provided more. We were able to give $750 to someone else to go. So don't tell me that God's not big enough. If he called you to go, he'll provide for you to go. Compassion Sunday is coming up, $38. Hearts in motion. Don't tell me that you can at least buy an extra box of macaroni and cheese or you can buy an extra box of hamburger helper and you can bring it up here and you say, God, this is what I got and let God multiply it. You can do that. There's a preteen retreat coming up. We, we didn't get into the week that we wanted to go to preteen camp, so we're going to do our own retreat. This is going to be good. Janie and, and her team have come up with something that's great. Your kids, if they're preteen age, they've already heard about it. We're going to have from Wednesday through uh, Friday night, we're going to have some stuff here. We've got a speaker that's coming. We've got inflatable games that are coming. We're going to have a camp out on Friday night for the, for the boys, and, and you can help with that. You might not be able to do anything else. You might be able to give some money to that. You might be able to volunteer for that. You can do just a little bit. And then let God take your little bit and multiply it to change somebody's life. The clothing giveaway is coming up. I told you about gift cards. You can do all that stuff. Now, let me wrap this up by saying our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is not in us. Our faith is not even in our prayers. And another soapbox that I'll do another day. Do not say prayer works. Because I know a lot of people that pray the wrong God. And their prayer affects nothing. God works when his people pray. I can pray to that door. Oh, door, please let me out. And if it's locked from the inside, you ain't getting out. 
the power is in God, not in your prayer. That puts the focus on me. I am a man who is nothing without Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. My faith is in Christ. And so I don't ever say, oh, I believe in the power of prayer. Uh Uh-uh. I believe the power of God who allows us to move his heart when we show just a little bit of faith and a little bit of persistence. Well, that's good, preacher boy. You have your uh, blind faith. Well, first of all, I don't think it's blind if we have thousands of years of testimony from the scripture. If I've seen God work in my life, I've seen God work in your life. I think it's based on fact, but, but I would rather be blind physically blind with the faith that God can heal than to be able to see perfectly and not believe. I would rather be blind believing that God can heal. And, and you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, crazy, crazy story, teenage boys. And the king built this 90-foot statue, and, and when you heard this certain music, you had to bow down. And they said, ooh, these Hebrew boys, these teenage boys, junior high, maybe high school age boys, they don't bow down when we play the music, King. King brings them in. He's ticked. He said, bow down right now. I'll give you a chance. You bow down. You hear this music, you bow down. Everybody else, boom, hit the floor. And these teenage boys said, we will not bow. And they said, he said, well, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. That's what they were supposed to do. So they heated the fiery furnace up seven times hotter. And they said, this is the greatest statement of faith. They said, oh, King, our God is able to, to deliver us. But even if he does not, will not bow. I want to have that type of faith. That regardless of what anybody says, God is able to heal me. But even if he does not, I still believe. Right? We actually prayed that prayer. Timmy told me one of his friends prayed and his friend said, God, and then he prayed and he said, God, not our will, but yours be done. He said, God, we want you to heal Timmy. And we're all praying, God, heal Timmy. And, and Timmy said that that moved his heart. And his friend said, I'm sorry to pray that. And Timmy goes, no, no, no. That's a prayer that honors God. And I can't imagine God wanting to take Timmy. But if he does, I still believe. We got too many wishy-washy Christians that when life gets hard, they turn tail and run. And everybody says, see, you're no different. And the truth is we're not. It's time we stepped up and we, do we really believe that God is able? Then live like it. Let's pray. Father, would you increase our faith? And and God, when we don't have faith, I want to be like that guy who says, Father, I do believe, help me, help thou my unbelief. Some of us need to pray that prayer today because we're doubting that you are who you said you were. And God, you you don't throw us away when we doubt. That's the incredible thing about you. All other faiths, you waver, they cast you out, but not you. You walked up to Thomas and said, here... Stick your hand in the nail prints in my arm. Here's the spear print from my side. Just because he doubted, you proved yourself to him. Help us to follow you radically and to believe. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.